With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No Block, No Rock, Season 2, Episode 10, coming at you during this bye week, uh, pre-Purdue, on October 30th at 2.30. Not a, not a whole lot to talk about in terms of Nebraska football, but guys, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about you know some practice observations, some quotes that were said, because you know how we, we like to make big deals out of that in this state. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about kind of uh, our... Our four-game outlook of this remaining Nebraska football season. Um, give you some Purdue insight and give some predictions on Purdue. Uh, but first, let's start with practice. Practice, practice, practice. Alan yeah. Iverson loves practice. So do we. Well, you know, it's probably the best practice it's been since Scott Frost has got. No, no I'm just kidding. He hasn't, <laughs> oh, God. he hasn't said that this year, which is probably a good thing. Mike, you got me. You had me going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? no. I, well, but you know, a, a little quote that like made its little rounds on Twitter or whatever was the the staff pushed the mad button today. They pushed the mad button, and he believes in remaining cool on game days. You know, not getting too worked up like Jared Hall does in front of the television. Uh, mad button. What does that mean? What does mad button mean? Um, Does that mean actually instilling <laughs> discipline when people make mistakes? Is that the mad button? What's the mad button? So you can look at mad button two different ways. Okay. So I think the mad button works if the team respects their head coach. Mm, good point. So this team right now, you're you're in a very interesting situation because I think throughout the season, I, I don't think we could argue that the team was listening to Scott Frost and respecting what he was saying. Just tuning him out? Yeah, but no, I think no, I think he hasn't. They haven't been tuning him out. But now you're at a point where you're you know you do or die. You know, odds of us making a bowl game are slim to none, and things are just not going the way that they anticipated. So yeah, I think the mad button is only going to work if the players are there to listen. But if they don't respect you, and I think Mike Riley is a really good example. I think if Mike Riley got upset. That kind of stuff, I think his there's no there's nothing left. Nobody's listening to your what's coming out of your mouth anymore. And I hope that's not what's happening with this team. There's still four games left to play, so I hopefully they're listening to what he is saying. And maybe that mad button will maybe work this Saturday. Just reminds me of the like what was it like Office Max commercials from like the early 2010s? Yeah. Easy, the button. easy button, easy yeah. button, mad button, mad button. Sit your ass down, mad button. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you did you did a front flip somersault on the on the goal line. <laughs> yep. Get out. Mad button. Mad button. I'm pissed. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it, yeah, he, he did make a joke at the press conference today, and they were like, you know, d I mean, do you ever, like, hit the mad button? And the, he was like, well, sometimes when I'm up here, I'd like to. And I and the best part about that is it was, it was Sam McEwen that was asking that question. And if you've ever watched those press conferences, it's like a duel between 
Scott Frost and Sam McEwen. Sam McEwen's always got a question that Scott Frost doesn't want to answer, and it always turns out to be this hilarious thing. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He says some coaches are, are uh, on the team are better at hitting the mad button than others. Um, mm-hmm. I can imagine, like, Coach Lubick is probably not that... Right. I bet Verduzco. Not that hardcore. I bet Verduzco is the mad button king, though. Oh, yeah. That crazy Italian guy just yelling about meatballs and shit. Flicking his lit cigar at people. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) what the hell is wrong with you guys? You know? Oh, my God. Some freaking Vince Lombardi shit. (laughs) Mike, Mike is, he has Italian in his blood. He can, you can make those jokes. It's fine. (laughs) Don't come after us. (laughs) Speaking of don't come after us, Eric, that's your, that's your quote. Yeah. What's, what was another one that stood out to you during this, this practice scrum? Good segue, Jared. I appreciate that. Mm, that's what <laughs> um, I did. There was a quote from Ben Stilly, who, who, who at this point probably played for Bo. Uh, <laughs> he basically said, well, no, he didn't basically. He said that teams in past years have quit like right around, or he, he just said that teams in past seasons have quit. And it tells me two things. A, it's that the, uh, they've... Uh, they've all thought up about it, and it's in the the back of their mind, and and they don't want it to happen again. Or B, there's already enough. There's a significant amount of players who have given up already, and Stilly, as a 17th year senior, is calling them all out. You know, most of the time, that would like occur whenever a coach is about to be fired, and you're a player, and you're like. I already know he's getting fired, so like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that's the case right now. It's because it's still early. Technically, eh, we won't get into all that. But you know, our players like, oh, if we don't make a freaking bowl, like, I'm just gonna have a new coach next year. So what's the point? I mean, hopefully that's not what they're thinking. You yeah. wouldn't think so. Yeah, and I think something that has to be in the back of all their minds is like, you know, they have the team to beat anybody. They've shown that playing Oklahoma. They've shown that playing Michigan, Michigan State. It, it The list goes on, and even though they have the personnel, even though they feel like they're working hard enough, like the work they put in in the offseason, it's not good enough, right? So then you drop the ball against Minnesota. That was one of your bigger hopes at making a bowl game. Then you head into the bye week, and Scott Frost's record going into bye weeks and coming out of them is a, is lost on both sides. Winless. He's like 0-8. Yeah. So, I mean, God, you, you have to imagine that that those thoughts are are creeping into people on the team. Well, I mean, it goes back to you got to think of the staff just all season has been, you know, you're so close, you're so close, you're so close, and then they keep losing the games, and, and eventually the players are just like, I I don't believe you, I can't do this anymore, I, I can't give all my emotion every week to be heartbroken every week. Yeah, so, yeah. I feel like they've maxed out. Yeah, exactly, yeah, it's like, are you lying to me, or are we actually that close? Exactly. Well, they are that close, but I think a lot of it, I mean, we want to point the finger at the coaching staff a lot, I mean, and there there is plenty to blame to go on them, but if the players would just make one more play, if the, you know, they, it comes down to that, that leadership and the execution. Still, yeah. And Ben Stilley's a perfect example, you know, make one more play. I understand the defense has played well, but as a, as a senior leader, go make one more play for your team. Sack the quarterback. I mean, Jesus Christ, if we could just get one freaking sack, you know, maybe that would help change, you know, here you go. Field position, change the, change the course of the game. I understand. 
the offense is is not holding up their end of the bargain. Special teams hasn't all year, but it's it's something like that where you just you have to you can't just blame the coaching staff and think these are all hollow words because they're not wrong. I mean, you are. I mean, crazy to say five six plays away from you know being undefeated or whatever. Who cares? You lost those games, and a lot of it has to do with coaching, but a lot of it does come down to just executing and being in the right place at the right time and they just haven't done that you know you said it isn't all on coaching staff and you're right and i'll tie that into what the point i'm making about how you know there could be some quit in the team as well like i guess from a defensive player's mindset like say say you're a starter on the d you have been all year you've kept your team in the game you know pretty much every week how long until you just say Fuck this! If the offense is gonna help us out, I'm not gonna. Yeah, you know, I I got that I got that vibe from JoJo over the last couple weeks and all of his press conferences. The dude is just sick and tired of the defense just holding the team afloat. And you know what's the craziest thing about it is our offense is not that bad. They They're rank not. they rank higher than most in mm-hmm. damn near every single thing that you look at. Total offense, they're I mean top ten. Last I looked, I mean they they put up yards. Well, they're like second in the Big about, Ten, aren't they? And it's not about yards. Yeah, yeah. It, it's about it is, so I guess if 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 I'm on the football team, if I'm in the coaching staff, it's like God damn, like what what could we possibly do better? The defense is playing well. The offense is playing well, regardless of what we say. It's playing well outside of the moments that they have to. They rank 106th in red zone scoring. That's the bad. offense does. That's very And bad. when you have a, a team, or should I say a, a play-calling unit, I guess, because I don't know who the hell calls plays anymore. I don't know. A team that's like afraid to call uh, risky plays or big plays. Or simple uh, plays, like a quarterback sneak on the one-yard line. Okay. I mean, I mean <laughs> well, elementary stuff. <laughs> well, my, my point being is like they reach the red zone. They can't score touchdowns. If they can't score touchdowns, unfortunately – our head case of a kicker is unreliable. And so if you're a play caller, you have to look at that and be like, okay, I need to call plays where it's going to be a, a 30, 40 plus yard score, just like you did versus Northwestern, the very first play of the game. Freaking huge play. You set your team up. Like, I just, when this team gets in the red zone, they just fall apart. Yeah, let's dive into that a little bit because I think that's an interesting conversation. You have a tight end that's 6'9", that's taller than anybody on the field. You've got a quarterback that can run faster than most on the field. You've got wide receivers that are that are showing to you that can burn just about anybody. You've got, run, you've got 19 running backs that you play every game. And you're, you're struggling with 20 yards to go. 25 but, yards to go. But you missed the most important part and the reason we aren't executing is the offensive line, they will get you to the red zone, but when they fail the most is when we are in the red zone. Like, I can't count on how many times on my finger it, they just, the offensive line breaks down, Adrian has to try to make a play, and, and the, the whole play is just broken and busted. Mm-hmm. It, the offensive line just doesn't show their true color. I mean, they, I guess they do show their true no, colors. That is their, yeah. Yeah, they show their true colors. When they're in the red zone, they just cannot finish drives. And that, it comes back to the offensive line. And you're right. We have all these weapons, despite the rotation of running back. But even Jared and I have said, 
you know, even last week, Ramir Johnson is running back one. I mean, he is a good back, and Yant was put in a pretty shitty situation last week. He slipped, whatever, but... Yeah, don't put him in that situation. Don't put him in that situation. I mean, he's, he's a true freshman walk-on. Yet, why, isn't, why isn't that Step's job? That's the whole reason why he's here. Anyway. But anyway, it's just like high percentage plays in the red zone. It's funny watching teams on Sundays run red zone plays, and they're all just they're very high percentage, simple, usually play action pass, throw it to your fullback, or throw it to your 6'9 tight end. Mm-hmm. I mean, you find mismatches. There's not a lot of space, but using a 6'9 tight end is a perfect example. Like, there is nobody else in the conference has a 6'9 tight end. If that ending to the Minnesota game, I mean, did you see that play that Austin Allen made Insane. for that touchdown? Why don't you look at that and go, okay, that's obviously... You could say Adrian's the best offensive player that you have, but I would bet money that Austin Allen is probably your best offensive player. He, he, I mean, he is saving Adrian Martinez on damn near every play. Like, like if he's not having a critical block, he's getting open or he's winning 50-50 balls. That dude is going to be a fantastic NFL tight end. Um, it's just, it's just like you, you don't, you, I don't know, you just don't use your tight ends enough in the red zone. Somehow, a six-nine t- 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 tight end is also ca- is also constantly overthrown. I don't know how that happens, huh. but but he's constantly overthrown, and it's amazing. Well, it really is. I've dove into that a little bit. I think part of it is this: when the O line doesn't play well enough, Adrian's running for his life, and Adrian is not a natural passer. I think I don't think anybody could argue that he is a natural passer. He's not at all. So Adrian has to go back to his natural ability to not throw the ball well when his when he has no legs underneath him. So if you're running right. for your life, you get all the way down the field, you're running for your life the entire drive, you finally get down there, and you make an errored throw because you don't have your legs underneath you. So I, I see where it's coming from, but it shouldn't come from a four-year starter. Speaking of Adrian, another kind of big thing that's come out, right, even though it's not a huge surprise, is his lower body injury, right? He's in a cast. Uh, he also has a, sh- a shattered jaw. Okay, it's not shattered, but I'm sure there's something going on when he took the hit at Michigan State. Yeah, and that so, shows how, you know, I mean, the dude's tough as hell. Not, not questioning the toughness. Yeah. But but let's just talk a little bit about, like, this injury, right? His so, ankle. It's his ankle. It's his ankle. Um. Now, if I recall correctly, now, uh, please correct me. First, one of the first plays on that first drive at Minnesota, wasn't one of the plays a option? Yes. Did they call an option? They, they called an option. Right. But he could... Adrian did not have... He had little to no design quarterback runs. If you know your quarterback's hurt, why are you calling that play then? But it's just to get him out. To, it's essentially just a, a wide pitch play. That's all it, okay. that's all it is. Because Adrian was never going to keep the ball i guess unless yeah. he was going to get you know unless he was going to get the first down and just slide or something i think adrian knows how to protect himself for the most part now but instead of landing on his head yeah instead of landing on his head yeah he did he talked about that in the press conference today too somebody asked him about making like the decision to like just go down or try to fight for extra yards he goes i mean it's all situational but right. he's like at the end of the day he's like i've been doing this long enough to understand that like sometimes i don't need to take that risk he's like and he even said it. he's like i know that i need to be on the field with my team I have to be. Mm-hmm. So that tells you that tells you a little uh, that tells you something that might be a little alarming is that they know that this offense only runs with Adrian. We talked about it all off season was eh, one of these times Adrian's going to get hurt and they're going to have to play without him. 
now it, it's, I'm hoping that it's not hindering the play calling where they're calling scared like, oh, we, we can't be too risky with Adrian because he's going to get hurt and then we have to put some others in. Meanwhile, I mean, every time we've seen some others, he's looked okay. You he's know? fast, yeah. He's yeah. looked okay Yeah, in the limited opportunities he's had. But that's all you can ask for in the limited opportunities he's had. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think he's played well enough for you to be calling for his job. No, you know? no, 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 no. I'm not no, saying no, that. No. Yeah, I, no. I'm saying I, if he's not like Luke. It's not like Luke last year where Luke right. performed well enough, won you the Penn State game, and then everybody was like, hey, this, this guy needs to be your quarterback one. Like, I don't think Logan's doing that. He's not. No. He's. Let me put it this way. There's a lot of teams that when their backup quarterback comes in, Oklahoma is a perfect example where their their backup quarterback shows flashes and you're like, this guy's special. And if something were to happen that he would get the playing time, mm-hmm. he might overthrow the quarterback. This is not that case. Adrian right. is QB1. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking strictly colors. strictly injury. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Yeah. I, so, I mean, all I'm saying is if you are on the staff, if you're Verdusco, if you're Frost, you better get your backups ready because I don't want to hear a freaking excuse. Adrian went out. That's why we lost because, you know, some others came in and we couldn't call the same plays as we could before. Get your quarterbacks ready. Logan's been in the system for a while. This is your fourth year as a staff. Can we just get backups ready, please? Well, and one thing to consider, too, is if Logan, if, if Adrian doesn't have his ankle, we'll say, why don't you just bring Logan in to run the option? Why don't you, like, teams have done it for Generation. I mean, Minnesota, Minnesota did it with their minute. quarterback. Dual quarterback system, it mm. works just fine. It worked against us perfectly last Saturday. Yeah. So why not do it? And guess what? If Logan can, Logan can throw the ball, it's a win-win because then you have to prepare for both. I yeah. will say, though, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here now looking in hindsight talking about, well, Absolutely. you know, just, just, you know, just put Logan in if you're going to run the option all this other stuff. But at the same time, if we started doing that and then we were unsuccessful and you know we lost the game, then we're like, we're like, why are you putting Logan in to run this option? And you know, it's 100%. like, you know, it's all, it, yeah, it's all uh, like in hindsight. But at the end of the day, you do, you know, the big question for for the Minnesota game was like, well, if you knew that Adrian wasn't a hundred percent and you couldn't run your offense like you normally do, mm-hmm. then maybe it was just time for him to take a break and you just let Logan go out there and just handle the game. And in the event that we start getting killed or something starts going terribly wrong with Logan, okay, now we bring Adrian out because that's all we got. Like, well, that, that's our only hope. Well, we know in the game's on the line, it doesn't matter. Adrian will not come through. So it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback if you, it's a one-score game, which it was. Like, we, we need to put Logan in with two minutes left on the floor. You might as Just well. Just put him in cold. Adrian has never <laughs> led us to a comeback win, ever. He has yeah. zero clutch wins. And and this is something that I've been just processing in my brain the last couple of weeks. I've talked to Jared about this off air, but it's Adrian Martinez is a good quarterback. Of course. But he is not a winning quarterback. He is a losing quarterback. It is what it some is. people are winners, some people are losers. Adrian, unfortunately, is a loser. There, there's enough evidence there. And it's almost like they should have went out and gotten a guy from the the portal, as every Husker fan in the state said they should do in the offseason. Isn't that weird? Well, like they should have hired a special teams coach. Eh, look, we'll we'll see about this whole staff doing things that they should have done. We have plenty let's, of opportunity to talk about let, that later. Well, let's let's kind of segue into that, right? Let's get into this, this four-game stretch where, what, they're sitting at three and five right now. Yep. They have to win. 
three of the next four games. Which Scott's never done before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, did you just pull out a list of things Scott Frost hasn't done? No, Scott, I, we Scott don't, Frost has never done it. Adrian has never oh done God. it. Okay, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of editing. But, yeah, okay. So, Purdue. Then, um, Ohio State. Right, at Wisconsin. And then Iowa. Yep. They need to win three of the next four. Is it possible? Mike, Mike, is it possible? It is possible. I'm not saying it's probable. It is possible because I still stand here today and say that this team, and Saturday is a perfect example, this team can beat anybody, but they can lose to anybody. Mm -hmm. They, They have more talent than they've ever had here, and they can compete with all the big dogs. We've shown it. Like Kyle said, we, I mean, against Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma, we've shown that we can compete with the big dogs. I'm not worried about playing Ohio State. I'm not worried about playing Iowa. I'm not worried about playing Wisconsin. What I'm worried about is, are you going to get out coached again? Are you going to fail in the red zone? Mm-hmm. Is your special teams going to miss more kicks? Like, I, that's the stuff I'm worried about. But as far as like a game, I think they will all be close games. This team is good enough to keep every game close. We've shown it. I think we've lost by combined, what, eight points? <laughs> right. So it's... Kyle? It's bad. Is it possible? Three, winning three of the next four. Uh, <laughs> Eric? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> I, uh, I think I, anything is possible. But you mm. have to look at okay, so Purdue. You look at them every year. They seem they're they're just a weird football team, right? They go yeah. out and they beat like an un uh, unbeaten Ohio State team, and then they show up to Lincoln and we just kick the ever loving oh, shit right. out of them. Yeah. Um, or you know they they go and they lose to somebody else. It's just they're very weird, right? So I think that beating Purdue next this week is very possible. Now you look mm. at like Ohio State. I don't think you're going to beat Ohio State. And then you have to look at the next two-game stretch. So now you've played Purdue, Ohio State, and then I think there's a bye in there, right? Yep. Okay. So you have a little bit of break before you play Wisconsin. At Wisconsin. At Wisconsin. But you're still kind of beat up after playing Ohio State. Then you go to Wisconsin, and that's probably going to be a close one. They're not that great this year, but, I mean, they did just beat Purdue, who just beat Iowa. So it's like... It's a Big Ten opponent. Yeah, and and it's all you need to say. Wisconsin has our number every single year, like we all know. So that's going to be a physical game. And then you go into Iowa, who has also had our number every single year. And it's just... The the road there is very difficult. So, Eric, uh, what I'm hearing from these two is like pure... Disney movie. They can do it. It's possible. Anything is possible. (laughs) Eric, hit us with some of that truth serum. Just hit us with it. But maybe you won't. Maybe you won't. I'm just expecting. I don't know. Let's see. Jared and I are more of the uh, ready for change crowd, and Mike and Kyle are are the eternal optimists. Uh, That's fine. Thanks for a good pot. But um, I given what we've seen from the program the last four seasons and even this year and the schedule um what do i always say until i see it happen i can't pick it so i don't think it's possible do you think going four it would not surprise me but i think they do sneak out a win in there i uh, so you're saying one and three 
Yes, except 0-4, is it would not surprise me, and I don't know who they beat, but in the least. Yeah, and being on this side of the table, the optimist side of the table with Mike here, uh, <laughs> I will say at the beginning of the year, I said that I'm like a see-it-to-believe-it kind of guy. Mr. This prove year. It. Mr. Yeah, prove yeah, It. Yeah, Mr. Prove It. It says it right there on our website. And be on our podcast.com. That's right. And I... Uh, I hype it up every week. I always say that we have a chance. We have had a chance every single week to beat these these teams. But but at this point, we're we're at a time where there's no possible way you could say that we won't go 0 and 4 for the rest of the year. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know how anybody could sit there and say like oh no, absolutely like we beat Wisconsin and we beat Purdue. You know, like th- those are gimmies. Like no, dude. Like there, if anybody's telling you that, and if anybody is actually believing that, they're they're way off base. Because believe me, I am one hundred percent in your corner. I would love to be able to sit here and say that, but that is just not the case anymore. The phrase "winnable game" is <laughs> often <non-existent>. comes up. <laughs> yeah, and I myself am guilty of this. I have learned my lesson, folks. Minnesota. Darren Morgan's trash. Minnesota. P.J. Fluke. Fuck P.J. Fluke. Winnable game. No such thing. No such thing. I think two and two is the best they can do. Yeah, best case yeah. scenario. If you look at ESPN, F- FPI, they like Nebraska. They're like 21st. There's another good website um, where I get my stats from. Their projected ranking on there is 18th. So like... We've been saying all year, the eye test, the eye test, the eye test. They they pass that test. But there's just something about winning that they just don't know how to do. Or I don't know if it's because they don't know how to do it or they just don't like winning. They don't like it. <laughs> They're just comfortable with losing. And it's like, I feel nice and, and cozy in my L blanket. You know, this W blanket scratchy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like... But yeah, this L blanket's really, really nice and cozy. Yeah. The eye test is what we've been talking about all year. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were close against Oklahoma. Oh, we were close against Michigan State, Michigan, Minnesota. Everybody on our, our schedule that we've almost beat, the eye test is there. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the only thing that you can look at is the wins and losses. That is it. And I am so guilty of saying, you know, I do see progress because we are playing. You know, we're not getting blown out like we did with Mike right. Riley, yeah. with Bo Pelini. We're not doing those things. So there is progress. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to the fact that you are 3-5 and five right now. And the other thing I want you guys to think about, okay? Wisconsin is second in total defense. Iowa is 12th. And Purdue is 13th, like in the nation, in total defense. And Ohio State is not... Up there, but they're still Ohio State, right? So they have all the four and five stars. Yeah, that's, that's literally a, all of them. That'll be the, Ohio State. That's enough, right? So each of our next four opponents are like in the top twenty of total defense. So that's just another thing to keep in mind. Um, but yeah, I think two and two is like the ceiling, and of course, of course, or and f- o and four is the floor. Mm-hmm. I don't. I just don't see a bowl with this team. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't either. And we we've been bagging on Iowa's quarterback. We've been bagging on uh, Graham Mertz. We've been like saying that they're not that great of quarterbacks and everything like that. But we also said that about Tanner Morgan, and he came out and made it look like he's a Heisman contender. Literally set the school record for consecutive consecutive completions. 
Yeah. So And they weren't just like little boop, beep, bop, boop. Yeah. No. And and that's something that's something that you really need to worry about with Purdue. Purdue is a pass heavy football team. We'll, we'll get into Purdue a little bit more. All right. All right yeah. Let's do it. But yeah, I mean, there's specific guys that we talk about with Purdue do. Yeah. Um, but this whole t- and you're just kind of um, reminds me of that old insurance commercial at that fisherman like oh, oh, oh you oh, almost oh. had it. Yep. You gotta, you be, gotta quicker be quicker than that. Than that. No, <laughs> like the, the W is like hanging on the hook, and they just like can't reach it. Yeah, it's just someone it's needs like, to. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a photo of that dude now that you mention it. Yeah, it's just gonna be like a W on the end of his, <laughs> of his pole. Uh, who's oh, gonna, who's gonna, gonna be who's gonna be the one holding the the, the fishing? Well, it's gonna be the guy holding the fishing rod. And it's gonna no, be Scott. Brock. No, it has to be Kevin has to Warren, be right? like Brett Bielema, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who? It could be a lot of coaches holding that. It could be all the coaches. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Mel Tucker, because uh, <laughs> that was the most egregious one, one this year. But oh, yeah. Shoot. Okay, okay. Let's get back no, on track here. No, let's no. take a break. Talk about our sponsor. Yeah. Where are we Bef- at? What are we drinking? Be- before we get into Purdue, we are at the Nebraska Brewing Company tap room once again. I am drinking a nice ale storm. Mike, are you? What are you? What's that? What you got? I'm drinking this pumpkin wheat again. Oh, yeah. Like I said, hashtag basic bitch. Pumpkin spice. No, it's the not pumpkin spice. The basic bitch of the pod. The basic bitch of the pod. <laughs> but I'm drinking that pumpkin wheat because it's still on tap here at the tap room on 108th and Harrison here in La Vista. La Vista. So if you haven't been to the tap room, go check it out because you can get this pumpkin wheat and be a basic bitch like me. Kyle, what what were you drinking over there? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're empty now because you just gulped it. Yeah, I'm what, what are you drinking? It, thinking ponytail about boy. all these L's. Yeah, so ponytail uh, boy. my ponytail is well underway, and uh, I went out and bought some like leopard print leather uh, like pants for myself, so that way I can record comfortably in the in the brewery here. Um, wow. I'm drinking the Taco Vesa, which is what I usually go to unless I'm trying to be basic like Mike. And you know, Eric, he's. I mean, he's drinking the NBC water. You know, he's drinking that straight off the tap. Straight off the tap. He's taking a night off, which is fine. Hey, you drink responsibly. Right. Not drinking anything currently, but yes. Come to the NBC tap room. 108th and Harrison and LV, just like Mike said. And as they like to say at NBC, world class in every glass. Okay, so we want to talk about our merch a little bit. We're all standing, we're all sitting around this table with our NBNR merch on. What's what's the info on that? Uh, where can people go? Kyle, you're my main man on this. Yeah, so we previously plugged our website, thanks to Mike, which is... NBNRpodcast.com. So we we all came together and we came up with all of our clever sayings and mottos and things that we have here for No Block, No Rock. Uh, we designed a couple things together, and they are uh, they will be for sale in our little shop. But you can find that on our website. So super exciting stuff! Very exciting. Uh, if you like the pod, please uh, please support us in any way. Uh, yeah. It'd be awesome to see you guys post pictures with with the MBNR merch yeah, on Twitter. You know we'll interact. We know you know we love you guys. So if there's any way that you guys could buy a shirt. You know, buy a sweatshirt, buy a crew neck, support us in any way, shape or form. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah. You know, we, we started off with one microphone, passed it around to each other, you know, and it has grown. Now we have merch, we've got sponsors, everything is going really well. So, and that's all thanks to you guys. So we, uh, we, we started this merch line just because there's a lot of funny stuff that goes on here. No block, no rock. We figured we'd put them on some, uh, some t-shirts and some, some, uh, hoodies. So yeah, enjoy it. 
Okay, guys, let's get into some Purdue action here. You know, the the, the thing that's going to stand out with Purdue is they went to Iowa and they straight sledgehammered Iowa 24-7. to But that uh. was kind of... Like, we knew that was going to happen eventually. Your defense can only carry you so far. Yeah. We know. We've we said know. This, we've said this on the podcast almost every week that Iowa's offense is fucking terrible. And I've said this every week that Spencer Petras is the worst quarterback in the Big Ten. So that was going to happen. I thought it would happen for, you know, that might happen against us. But, I mean, it happened against Purdue. It could still happen against us. It could happen continuously the rest of the year. Right. I mean, I think, I don't think anyone would argue that. We didn't expect Purdue to do it, let alone twenty-four to seven. I mean, damn, right. that was woof. And okay. college game day was Shoot. laughing when they when Iowa's ranked number two in yeah, the country. They hate Iowa. They were making fun of them yeah. on live television on college game day. So that was it was funny. And then they lost like that. It was just it was a good day. I mean, minus the fact that we lost. Well, what did Colin Cowherd call them? Back in the day, oh, fake idea of college the fake, football, fake idea. Yeah. yeah, well, and I don't, I don't know that anybody like in like that understands college football, the analysts and all that other stuff. I don't know if anybody actually believed that Iowa should be number two in the country because I think they saw what was about to happen, and and of course we're watching it like watching this offense try to try to walk down the field, and it's like, yeah, you're gonna run into some issues somewhere along the line, so, sputtering. Yeah, yeah, Georgia okay. for. Georgia one and Iowa two is probably the biggest uh, discrepancy in one to two that uh, that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, would Iowa oh, would this iteration of Iowa even like come close to competing with Cincinnati? No, be, be, be honest. No, no like, not okay. a chance. Okay, but like I don't know the way college football is though. I just you can never say for sure yes no unless it's usually it's Bama who is the the gold standard and anyone other than that, it's like, yeah, any team can be in any team. You know, that's, that's why like, yeah, sure. The Iowa undefeated before Purdue was a little bit of fraud. Sure. But I mean, it's still any given Saturday, man. You never know. I totally agree. And Texas parody, A&M beating Alabama, Illinois yeah. beating Penn state last week, nine you know overtimes. So, I, so I, like, I agree. So people saying Cincinnati would kick Iowa's ass. Well, look, what if Iowa forces fucking six turnovers that day? Well, right. they probably would. Know. They probably right. would. Cause they, they have a, a tendency to do that, right? They're yeah. well co- coached and we're not. Okay. Sorry. This is turning an Iowa pod. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Purdue, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom, uh, you got David Bell. Yeah. First dangerous. round receiver. So watch out for that dude. Versus Cam Taylor Britt. I would expect Ooh. that Cam Taylor Britt will follow David Bell on no matter what side of the field he so goes on. So they're going to play straight man? Is that what you're predicting? They're no, not not even a little bit. But I think when, when they do have those opportunities, or even if they're going to bluff and put Cam Taylor Britt lined up against David Bell all game. You have to. Because it one, it's really good for Cam Taylor Britt stock if... He shuts him down, sure. which we did last. Oh, no, wait, no. Last year, he played well against us, but we shut down Rondo. Yeah. So. He had that one long catch, but other than that, he didn't yeah. do much. But I would hope walking into this game that Eric Shenander is not giving them 15 yards worth of a cushion. Um, <sighs> you have to put your hands on this dude on the line of scrimmage. Well, and that's. You cannot. Nobody, nobody we've played so far is beating us on the long ball. Nobody. So when like when against Minnesota when they came out and giving those guys 15 yards worth of cushion for a whole for for the whole first half it was like 
We're not getting beat above us, especially with, I guess, well, now Williams is out, so I don't know. Miles Farmer will be I was going to say, how big of an impact is Deontay being out? It's not. Headhunter, Deontay, it's fine. Miles Farmer is, is fully capable of stepping in. He did it just fine last year. He'll do it just fine on Saturday. I hope you're right. And I yeah. think, well, I think one of the big reasons why we're not allowing these huge plays is be- precisely because we are playing so far off, dudes. That could be, yeah. You know, so I don't know. I, I'm anticipating them doing some some bracket coverage on David Bell, trying to lock him down because other than him, dude, I mean, their quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, his touchdown interception ratio is straight garbo. It's seven touchdowns to eight interceptions. Yeah. Um, but looked efficient against Iowa, probably doing in part because of David Bell. Yeah. So you know who you need to shut down. I I will say the one place that Nebraska has struggled on defense is when they do those like two or three step dropbacks, which is what I would imagine they're going to be doing. I I would I would bet you that Bell is running more crossing routes than anything out there on on Saturday. And the reason for that is because you can look at every single game that we've played this year and every team has had success. Number one, we're not putting any pressure on the quarterback. So True. You're 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 giving your quarterback those little split second decisions like okay, look, like we're doing just crossing routes all day. And that's something that uh Ty Robinson today in the uh in the press conference was talking about like somebody asked him about the lack of pressure and he said, "Well, to be fair to us, he said like a lot of these teams are doing just like two or three step dropbacks." He goes, "So we really don't have time to get to them." Right. And I would imagine Jeff Brom is walking into this game saying, okay, well, if we're going to be pass heavy, we have to be doing these little short routes. And that might, that might hurt us a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, if you're, if you're just looking strictly on paper, their running game hasn't done really anything all year. I mean, until, until they play us, until, <laughs> until they play us, but it just hasn't done anything all year. Yeah. And I'm just afraid that they're going to be like, where's David Bell? Oh, there's, a white Purdue running back going that way. I don't think he's white, but um, I'm trying to think of the the guy who'd been there for like ten years, number forty. I can't remember his name, but I think you're yeah. thinking of Xander Horvath, and he's out yes. this weekend. Brown yes. said today. So. Oh, he is okay. out. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Xander Horvath. Yeah. Horvath. Well, I did. I did mention Purdue's defense is in the top fifteen of total defense. Of course, when you look at the people that they've played, the teams that they've played, Oregon State. UConn, Notre Dame, Illinois, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. These are teams whose offenses, for the most part, are not good. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of that is fool's gold. But, I mean, if you're in the top 15 in week 8 or week 9 of college football, I think think it's a a noteworthy stat to bring up. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, let's get into predictions, scoring predictions. Michael, will this be one of the last four that they win? What do you think? I think they do win, and the reason I say that is because the 12th man will prevail in this game. I think the home field advantage will will play a big factor against Purdue. Okay, They're coming off a very physical loss to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And they played a physical game against uh, Iowa. So it's one of those things. It's the Big Ten schedule. They play two physical teams. Now they have to come into Lincoln 
you know, in an afternoon game, it's not an 11 a.m. game, so the guy should be up and awake and ready to play. 2.30. 2.30 game, 2.30 kickoff, gives the, the college students a few more hours to drink, gives me a few more hours to drink and tailgate. I think Nebraska wins 31-24. So one score win. I'm calling the spread. It's seven, it, The spread's seven. I'm, I think they, they hit it right on the dot. A very reasonable take. Kyle, KB, what you got? What you mm, think? God. Oof. I have been dead wrong. Not just like, just not just wrong every mm. week. I've been absolutely wrong. Um, we all have. True. You know, I'm going to flip it this week. And I'm going to say that Purdue wins. I appreciate that. Wow. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's like 24 to like 17. One score loss. Yeah. Okay. It's a similar theme. I hate to say that, by the way. And oh, yeah. Eric po- Eric pointed out in this episode that I'm you, me and Mike are the optimistic ones over here. I've been so wrong every week that there's, again, it comes down to the eye test, right? We keep saying like, oh, well, they played great against Oklahoma, so I imagine Michigan, we're going to do all right. Minnesota, no, I'm over Minnesota, that. we should be fine. Yeah, I'm over that. Right. I'm, I'm like, you know, show it to me, right? Folks, I'd, I'd much rather be wrong. Folks, well, you what? cannot see, but you are witnessing the deterioration of... Of the Kyle optimistic Byers side, Cornhusker <laughs> fandom. No, not really. But no, I still love him to death. I just, I'll. I'll well, no. If you're I'll negative, you're there. not a real fan. If you're negative, you're not a real fan. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, Eric. According to Twitter, Eric, yeah. are you a real fan this week? Well, uh, <laughs> well, a one-score loss is pretty apropos from what Kyle is for oh. the Frost tenure, but apropos. I'm taking into account the fact that at least comment. It's just it's too much for for me personally to look past. You got a six year senior. I think it's six at this point. Uh, yes, but yeah, saying that uh, there's still some guys who are quitting teams that quit in the past, and they looked against Minnesota at parts of that they looked a little checked out. There's and David Babel is. He's not just a good receiver. Like, he's like Alabama good receiver. I mean, he's going to get his. And it always seems like the thing a team struggles with, they seem to find it whenever they play us, like Minnesota in the passing game. But, or or a Purdue in the running game, literally, like, every year they play us. But, um, no. All that and the fact that Adrian still might have this injury and he might not be able to move a whole lot. Uh, 34-12. 21 Purdue. And I want to I want to add that we're mm. also taking into consideration Scott Frost's record coming into a bye week and coming out of it. Never won. Yes, and it's one of those things until I see it, I can't pick it. And and you know against Minnesota, Jared pointed out, he said I'm afraid they're going to come out a little sleepy. It's going to be chilly up in Minnesota. They're coming out of a bye week and they know that they have to win the next 4 games. Now, you would think Mm. That that motivation mm. three weeks ago would have shown up, mm. but it did not. But so not. I can't. I I don't know. I just yeah. I'm with Eric. I can't. I can't pick Nebraska this week. Okay. Dang guys. Jared, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna split us here? Are you are you gonna make me the only Mike one? Michael, Michael, are you gonna be the only positive one? Okay. I could argue that this whole twelfth man thing is bogus. It gets in their head. They don't want to make mistakes in front of the home crowd. It gets in their head, and they get self-conscious, like a culp, 
20 yard field goal. Because <laughs> their home record has been absolute yikes for a long time. I don't I don't know what it is, but it's well under 500. It's better than their away record this year. It's I mean, but you're at home in front of the sea of red. It's supposed to be, but it's not. It's not. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna pull a twist. I'm gonna pull a twist. Nebraska 23, Purdue 14. Oh, so it's gonna be a nine point win. So it's not gonna be a one point win or one score win. 23 14. Okay, kind of weird. Welcome to the dark side, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, I I want I want to be- I want to believe. Please, guys, make me believe. Make a make a bowl game. I don't know about that. God. But I think this is the one out of the out of the four. This is the one this in this, my, yeah. This is the one yeah. that you have to pick as a win. Cuz I think the rest yeah. <laughs> the rest of them, I don't know if we can sit here and say yeah, we're going to beat Ohio State. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah we're going to r- just wreck Wisconsin at Madison, Wisconsin. Iowa's a gimme because their offense sucks. They right. suck. Petrus is, is petrid. Yeah, I think I think part of my decision is based off of the fact that every single team that we've played, we seem to get their best outside of Northwestern. Uh Minnesota, we thought that they were going to struggle so bad against our our defense, and then Tanner Morgan comes out and just absolutely dissects us all game long. Yeah, you, we literally, and, and this is like every year. This isn't just like twenty twenty one. Every single year, we you can pick out all of every team's weaknesses, and they just absolutely shine. Well, yeah, you watch it and you go, of course, of course, right? Like Chris Taylor hitting. The walk-off against the Cardinals. He hit like 170-something all year. Then, of course, of course he's going to hit the home run. Duh! Right. right. Anyway, sorry. Future Cub Chris Taylor. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Jared, he picked a win. Wow. Wow. Hey, I'm proud of you, Jared. Eric and I I standing strong. Look, man. Look. I would love to be wrong. I would love to be. Same. Look. At some point... You're gonna. You're not gonna go three and nine, right? Oh hell! You're not I, gonna go three and nine in your in your year four with your fourth year starting quarterback and your senior laden defense. It can't happen, can it? It's a it's a story already written. Mm. I'm telling you. Damn, Kyle. I'm, Kyle. I'm telling. I know the negativity is just what like the it's heck? the ponytail. Switch, I'm telling you. Switch sides, bro. It's the damn ponytail. I'm telling you, no. I, I don't know, man. I just, this year, I have been so, I've been so optimistic heading into every game, especially after we, I traveled down to Norman, Oklahoma. It makes you look I like a damn the game fool. Into, in, I, I watched the game in Oklahoma with my whole Oklahoma family. And I, for the rest of the year, I bet on Nebraska. I said, you know what? We played them great. It's going to, it's going to, the flip, the, the, the switch is going to flip eventually, which is what everybody keeps saying, right? We're that close. But mm. I'm not going to keep getting on record here and being like, oh, yeah, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. And being wrong every single time God. when I know better. They're showing me something different than what I'm saying. I'd love for them to be 8-0 right now, but they're not. I wish you were here last week. Oh, man. That was a nice little conversation. I, I, was, I was so, <laughs> I was so uh, like detached from Nebraska football last week. Smart man. I, 
I, I okay so i was filming a wedding and i was like you know what like i i have other things to do right so i wasn't really paying attention i was checking twitter i was looking at the news coming through as the game was going through and i was like man like you you, you can't write this shit like, you, of course right like it just it makes total sense that we lost that way okay so the the of course moment will be horvath limping in with a, a walk off 50 yard Right up the gut. Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. But maybe. <laughs> but maybe. And Nebraska will win. Uh, you okay. know, and, and for everybody listening, obviously, like no block, no rock, all four of us here are die, die hard Nebraska fans. It's too much. We love Nebraska. Too much. But at the same point, there are, there are, this week especially, as looking at Twitter, looking at all these like, other podcasts and all these other Nebraska accounts and stuff. Everybody's like, everybody just seems like they're everybody's split, right? Like, oh yeah, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, Frost needs to go." A lot of people are saying, "Like, no, he needs to stay. He needs give to give him time. more time. Give him more time." That's not what I'm saying. No, <laughs> that's not me. I'm, I'm, I'm just like sitting here, like, dude, we're in the middle of the seat. We're in the middle of the season right now. Like, show me what you got, and if, if just play, you got to play the games. Yeah, like, you, duh. You that's know, all you got to do. It just seems like Frost, as a coach among the fan base, is treated way differently than other coaches have been. And, l- like, all his close losses, you know, the th- attitude and feeling is right. And we're feeling good. We're close. We're going to get get one of these. Yet, when Mike Riley, like, lost a close game, which he did, he lost close a lot until that th- third year, it was, you know deemed you know oh this is just unacceptable you can't lose that game yeah dude his whole first year was like why it one score losses why is the attitude so much different for frost than it was for riley well you know yeah. why that's it, that's not a you know why it's, it's not a question it's because I mean, he's a homegrown boy and what? i would love for it to work i would so love would I. I i feel so terrible for scott frost i do i really do i feel like I would imagine his mental health has got to be in the shitter. Yeah, I've I I can't imagine being that dude right now and being three and five after his fourth year. And I'll tell you one more thing. I'll really I'll ask a question, right? And that's for all the people that are going to listen to this podcast and say, "Oh, you guys are just shitting on Scott Frost." Oh, you guys, you know, whatever. Not what right. if I mean, you are if you are Trev Alberts? Mm. What do you do? If, so especially if you go. Zero about, and four. I was about to say, like, what are we are we saying? Zero and four to close the year. If you if you go zero and four to close the year, if you're Trev Alberts, what do you do? I want all the listeners. I want your opinion. What do you do? Let's, because let's not answer that yet. I know, but be, be, because nobody nobody knows what's about to happen. It's like as an AD, all you can do is say, "I'm behind our guy. I will do everything that I can to help him win." And then if you have to make the move, you say. I supported. I tried. It's not like I undercut him. My personal, my personal opinion is that this year is. I mean, you have to give him one more year if you're Trev Alberts. You have to because it's his first year, and you we do see progress. We've all said it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, you're right, but it, you're all, it's it's a slippery slope, right? Because at what point do do you draw the line and say, okay, you have to start. Pulling out wins now. You can't just keep yeah. saying you're going to turn the corner. Wow, that corner must be millions of miles away because you keep saying you're going to turn it. Yeah. Well, and if you have to make a move, I think 
I think Trev is the only one that the fan base will be like, okay, sure, he's Trev Alberts. He's exactly. a legend, but and yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say is okay, so you you're sitting in Scott Frost's seat, homegrown guy. There's only one guy that is feeling the exact same way, and that's Trev Alberts. Yep. Because he also his name's on the fucking stadium wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like he also wants this to work. There's nobody that wants Scott Frost to work more than Trev Alberts. Right. Scott Frost, if he were to be let go, he can't be like Oh, the AD. Right. He, no. he just he just wants to, you know, make his mark and just like try to be. It's not no, Steve I mean, Peterson. It's not Steve no. Peterson. This is this is a guy that is doing everything in his power. Even went to the locker room and congratulated and and even in a losing effort, congratulated the team and the staff for how great they played against Michigan. W- went on busting with the boys podcast with yes, Scott. So exactly. You, you the dude's not- showing up to the swim meets. The guy is yeah. going to rifle competitions. Right. He loves Nebraska in, right. in a whole, and he understands that the correlation between winning programs doesn't just start with football. It starts with literally every single sport surrounding it. Yep. You have to have a winning culture in the whole sector of sports. I just I, I know that we're going to get a lot of slack, especially for this last little segment. No. No. Maybe. Don't come after us, right, Eric? <sighs> it, I, I'm, all I'm saying is that if you're listening and you're upset that you know maybe we sound like negative Nellies, which sometimes we 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 have had people tweet at us and they're like, "Well, we don't agree with you yeah. here." They are three and five, and you're four. We, yeah, we want you to do that though. Please we, tweet at us. Yeah, we 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 want it. I just want to know what your opinion is. If you're Trev Alberts, like, what do you do and what do you expect? Okay. okay. When we when we post this on That's Twitter, my final question for when, the pod. When we post this on Twitter, we want people to say what they would do if they were Trev. If we were to go on for, please comment. Mm-hmm. We're going to be on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, at NBNR Podcast. Go to nbnrpodcast.com. You will find merch there. Merch. Merch. Buy please our buy merch. some merch. We're going to make a merch button. Support us, um, even if we don't always support Frost. Um, You guys, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in. Download, give us a five-star review. It helps us. We don't know how, it just does. Let's sign off. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. Kyle Byers. I'm Eric Morrow. And as always, beat Purdue-Doo and GBR. <laughs>